Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Convert Central. I'm Kevin Siddiq Lim, the host of Convert Central, and I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Our podcast focuses on the challenges that Muslim converts face along their conversion journey to help Muslims from all backgrounds to find a strong foothold in Islam. Follow our Instagram and LinkedIn page at Convert Central, and I look forward to sharing with you all the beneficial series we plan for the year. For now, I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Convert Central. Uh, as you can hear, uh, this is actually your uh, this is actually Brother Abbas speaking. Uh, and today we have a very special guest. Um, not, no one other than our um, our director of Convert Central, uh, Brother Kevin Siddiq Lim. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam warahmatullah. All right. So I think he really needs no introduction. Um, you know, he has uh, he's actually started Convert Central for close to two years already right now uh, you know and he has uh, interviewed so many people so today we are actually very very excited to, to actually interview him to know a little bit more about uh, you know why why he came into Islam uh, you know what what brought him to Islam uh, and also you know we're going to ask him about certain tips that he has you know certain milestone that he has uh, went through uh, so without further ado Brother um, please go ahead uh, and you know share with us a little bit more about maybe you can share with us first like you know about your background uh, how old are you? You know what what you are doing right now? Bismillah. Uh, hi everybody. Uh, I'm back again on the guest speaker side of the podcast today, and I think my first time as a guest speaker on Commerce Central was last episode, and I I, I thought everybody I was nervous. Uh, I still am nervous today. Uh, so uh, let's let's see what what comes out uh, of, of my story. Um, I'll start by introducing myself. Um, you guys probably know me quite well if you guys have been following Commerce Central. Uh, I'm 23 this year. I'm a Chinese Muslim and I took my Shahada in 2018. So I took my Shahada when I was 20 years old. So prior to that, I explored Islam for about two years before deciding to become a Muslim. And uh, the story that I'll be sharing will be slightly different from what I normally share online with other podcasts. Like we had one with Halal Trip, which is posted on our Instagram. It's about 40 something minutes long. Um, we have one that was, I actually have one also on my personal Instagram, which is about seven minutes long. So I was also telling uh, Brother Abbas earlier that I have a few versions of my Converse story, depending on how long they want me to share. Uh, because it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's been a journey la, for myself personally. So what we're going to do today is actually something different. I'm going to focus on points of my Converse story that I've not touched on before, because possibly like, there was no time to do so. But I felt it was actually very important and integral to why I became a Muslim and why I stayed a Muslim. So, but for context, I'll just start with a brief introduction of my common story. Um, I grew up as a very normal Chinese kid. Um, I, the, my, my religion then when I was young was the playground. Uh, every time I finished primary school, I would, like, I would just go to the playground and play. That was all I was thinking about. Like when I go to school and when I finish school on the way back home was the playground. Um, so religion didn't really exist in my life when I was a kid. But um, my family had their practices. Uh, they were they were Taoist. So they would burn like incense papers and all. And I would follow them because um, I didn't know that it was religion. To me, it was just a family practice. So um, earlier on in my life, I didn't really have, um, didn't ascribe myself to any religion growing up. So in primary school, it, it stayed the same. But it was very interesting because I was actually in an all-Chinese primary school. Didn't really have an opportunity to interact with Malay or Indian kids. 
And the, my first real interaction with Malay and Indian kids were in, in secondary school. And I was actually quite afraid of them because as I said, I was in the playground, right? And, and diversity exists in Singapore. So like, I always met like, Malay and Indian kids in the playground and they always steal my soccer ball and they will not give it back and I have to chase around for it. So I had a bad impression of, 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 of Malay and, and Indian kids when I was young. And uh, I, I started off in sec one knowing like Malays in my class and, and I was very like racist to them. I would say like comments that I, I thought was okay, but to them it was not okay. And, it's, and now I know it's not okay. Um, but eventually, you know, Allah has a way, even back then when I was non-Muslim, right, that I actually graduated secondary school with my two best friends being Malay Muslim. So um, I didn't see it then, but that actually helped me a lot when I was uh, growing as a, as a new Muslim, like these two uh, good friends of mine. So what I knew about religion in secondary school was, was actually nothing much. So it didn't really occur in my life that I needed a religion. Um, I, I guess that's a very different experience for, for born Muslims or for people who are um, very into religion since young. To me, religion was not a thing in my life at all. I didn't think about it, not one thought into it. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do in my life that would give me practical um, purpose. So I, I knew two things about Islam uh, and, and these two things were very uh, also practical things. So the first thing I know was that every Friday we would end school at 12.25. And I have no idea why, but thank the Muslims for that. And then I know every Ramadan, uh, it's not even Ramadan. I just know that there's one month, magically, mysteriously, right? The canting queues, right, for school will be so much shorter. And I, I just like, I didn't know, but I appreciated that. So that, that were the two things I knew like about Islam then. I had a stint um, where I was exploring other religions. Um, not really as a religious thing, but rather as a social thing. Um, where in sect 3 I joined a, a group of my Muslim friends to go to church and sing like huge songs and all so then was an interesting period of my life where like 2013-ish was when a lot of what we do at 15 years old is, is really like to be popular so in secondary school right most of the popular kids in school they were Christian kids I'm still pretty sure that they are still Christian kids they are popular in secondary school nowadays and I wanted to be like them. So I went to the church. I started to sing like them. Hopefully I could be like them. But after a few times at the, at the church, I realized that it didn't feel right for me. And I decided to stop going to the church after that. And that was actually, for a long time, anything about religion after that. I went to JC and JC was actually, for anyone that has been to JC, it's a rush. It's, it's, a, it's a mad rush of time. You don't have any time to think about anything else other than studies and what you're going to do after. And, and that was me too, you know, just less like any other Chinese kid growing up in Singapore. I thought the same way as they did, wanted to do the same things as they did. 17 years old and, and 11 months waiting to hit the big 18 so I could go to club and all. That was me. That was um, all the way back in 2016, 2015. But things changed actually when I met this um, girl in, in JC. And she was actually the reason why I got interested in Islam in the first place. So she we met at a leadership camp and I was interested in her. So eventually we realized that we were interested in each other and that I found out that she was Muslim. So in, in order for us to like get into a long-term relationship, I realized that I have to learn about Islam or eventually, you know, become a Muslim in the end. And that was actually my introduction to Islam. Um, there were a few moments of time where I, I was learning about Islam and it was very tough. There were a few challenges that I faced in, in, in regards to learning about Islam through a, through a person. 
um, that I actually go into in other in, in the Halal Creep podcast and video. Um, but there are two main incidents that, that really opened my heart to Islam. The first incident was my first time at the mosque as compared to the first time that I was, you know, in a temple or in a church. And I, I, I thought it would be the same experience, but it was not. I was very shocked by the hospitality and the love I received from people who don't know me. And being a very practical 18-year-old boy that has been through the entire educational system and, and, and being very inculcated in the culture, uh, circular culture, I, there, there was no reason why they would be nice to me, but they were. And that really opened my heart to Islam. In, in, the, in the first time I was at the masjid, I saw this verse of the Quran and I asked the imam what was the, the verse and because it was written in Arabic. So the imam said, this is actually a verse of the Quran. It's in the chapter 2, uh, verse 256 of the Quran that says that there's no compulsion in religion. So coming to religion, coming to Islam, I always thought it was a very social, very like monetary thing or like you just climb the social ladder again of like religion. But when I listened to that, what, that what Imam told me, right? I realized that like religion was so much more than what I expected it to be. It was not just social or in fact, it was never really social in the first place. It's really something that, it's a new dimension of life that you, that you get. And I didn't understand that uh, earlier on in my life. So that's when I decided to take a long hard look at Islam. So the second incident that um, really made me very convinced that, okay, I was ready to become a Muslim was, was when I actually started to learn a bit more about Islam at Darul Akam. And I, I was thinking, okay, Islam might be the true path to religion. I didn't know when I was supposed to convert. Like, you know, Chinese peeps with their auspicious dates, we really like these things and, and, and for a good cause, I think like for within our culture, we really focus on these dates, right? So like I was waiting and I couldn't find an auspicious date to, to, become, a, to become a Muslim, right? To take my shahada, right? And I was always at the Darul Akam website trying to fiddle with the functions of the website. Then on their homepage, the first page, they had this convert function, uh, which, which doesn't mean that when you press that function, you become a Muslim. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you actually get to book a time and date for the conversion ceremony itself at Darul Akam. So I, I was fiddling with it and like click the time and the date and I was like, okay, next. Maybe they asked me for my details and all, right? I clicked next and, and suddenly they just said, oh, congratulations, you have booked yourself a, a conversion ceremony at Darul Akam next week on the Sunday. It was one week from now, seven days from now. My mom was more than likely going to kill me. I might not even make it alive to, to, to go to Darul Akam the next Sunday. But I was thinking, you know, I, I've been looking for a long time. I've decided that I want to become a Muslim. Maybe this is a sign from Allah. So I decided to tell my mom about it. And surprisingly, she was actually, she saw it coming as a parent who, who knows that his, her son has a Muslim girlfriend. She saw it coming. But in the end, she was supportive of, of it. So uh, that was actually how I became a Muslim. That was that. Um, what I normally do not share um, within my story as, as, as a convert coming to Islam is is that my story actually revolves around a heartbreak. And as cliche as it sounds at 21 years old, um, that heartbreak was the reason why I became uh, who I am today, a, a, a more committed Muslim. And after I became a, a, a Muslim and me and the girl, we wanted to get married, we actually separated one year into me being a Muslim. So that was actually when I really had the chance to know Islam for myself. And before I go into these points that I've written down on the paper, 
I just wanted to share with you that when we broke up, I was actually alone in Australia. I didn't know much about Islam. And I felt like if you were to weigh all odds, then like me being in Australia alone with no support or guidance on Islam, I would have probably like left Islam. I, 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 don't, I didn't see how I could have stayed in Islam just like by myself. And, and so that was the kind of situation that I was, I was faced with. But surprisingly, from the worst of situations, that actually was the step that gave me the best of outcomes in my life as a Muslim. So I learned four things in my journey as a convert. And why I'm sharing these four things with, with you guys here is that if there's a Muslim convert who came into Islam because of their partner, and maybe they find difficulty in staying into Islam because that relationship has went south, then I hope that these points really help you to tag through what you're, what you're feeling. And it gives you strength to believe in Islam and to stay strong as a Muslim. Okay? So I had a choice to stay as a Muslim or leave Islam. And of course, my family members, sometimes they were edging me on like, you know, like you have separated, you can leave Islam now, right? You don't have to be in, into a religion anymore because you're not going to get married anymore. And I took a long hard look at why I chose Islam. So of course, there were parts of the religion that really made sense to me. But what was really, really important to me was to know that like, what I felt, like the sadness I felt, the heartbrokenness I felt, right, was for a bigger reason, was, was for a bigger wisdom. And of course, you know, it's not difficult to search like wisdom behind heartbreak in Islam on Google and then get this like reason, reasoning written out for you on a blog post or something. But it's hard for you to truly believe that these promises from Allah written in the Quran is true. I will share what happened to me that made me believe wholeheartedly that these things are true. When I was a Muslim early on, before we broke up, my purpose in life was, 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 was quite different. You know, I was in the Air Force trying to earn an income to get married. And of course, I came into Islam partially because of the, of the girl. And subsequently, like almost everything I did was for the relationship. So when it, it was gone, then a big part of my life was gone and I became a very broken person with an empty purpose. So that point of time, I was, I was thinking like, you know, uh, what, what's left for me to do? Like, there's not much. Right? I probably won't be like happy anymore. And that's when all, most of us would stumble onto the, onto the part of Islam that says like, when you give something up for the sake of Allah, you know, um, Allah will give you back something better. Right? You also hear narrations that say like, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that if something was meant to reach you, you know, the whole world uh, can bend together to stop you from getting it, but it will, still, it will still reach you. If something was not meant to reach you, it can be between your lips and it will still not reach you. So um, that was uh, something that the Prophet has, has, has said approximately. Um, and then we, we, we start to think like, is it really true? Uh, is it that if I were to give up my intention for giving up the relationship or moving on is for Allah, then he will give me back something better. Like he'll give me a, a, a person, a, a girl or wife that's better. Or I leave my job because my job is not good enough. Uh, in, I mean, it doesn't adhere to like religion enough. I want to find a more halal source of income. Does it really, is it really true that Allah will give me more money back? 
that was what I was going through my mind. Like, if I just put my intentions right, I see for Allah, I'm going to leave this relationship. I'm going to become a better Muslim. Allah, give me back something better, right? So I waited, I waited, I waited, I waited, I waited. I waited, I waited, I waited for months and months and like maybe uh, one or two years after, I just waited, waited, waited. And, and at times I got angry and that made me lose faith in my own faith. But what really sealed the deal for me when it comes to understanding this part of Allah's promise is that sometimes when you give up something, right? You give up $5 for Allah, you put it in a masjid or you give up a person for Allah, right? Because you think that you believe that you'll make you a better Muslim. You think that Allah will give you back in the same form that you give him. You think that if I give up $5, then like Quran, maybe six times 10, I'll get $50 back in one way or another, right? But perhaps what Allah gives you might not be exactly what you gave him back. Perhaps you give up money, but Allah gives you health. It gives you family ties, gives you success in this life and hereafter. But we would never ever get to understand the scope of it. And right now, three years into the three years into my uh, Muslim life and two years into me breaking up from that relationship, I realized that Allah has given me so much more than I have given him. From that moment on, which I broke up, I thought I lost everything. But that was actually when I gained everything else in my life. Common Central won't be here if I didn't experience that. Like, I wouldn't have had an interest in Islam if I didn't experience that. And Allah really gave me back way more than I could ever master and give it to Him. And, and that heartbreak was so intense for me that I thought I had given up everything I cared about in my life for Allah. And still, it's magical and it's just the miracle of Islam that I can still acknowledge that Allah has given me so much more than I have given him. You know? So, that was my experience with that first point that I wanted to share. So, the second experience was that sometimes we get angry during a heartbreak. And it might not even be converts. It might be like born Muslims who get angry at a heartbreak. Why do we have to go through this, right? And why like, uh, everyone sees that we're supposed to get closer to Allah, right? And everyone sees that uh, this is good for you in the end. This is the wisdom of Allah. Then we don't understand why. Why if, let's say, right, Allah didn't take that heartbreak away from me, right? I would have been okay if Allah had taken my job away from me. I would have been okay if Allah had taken like uh, one or two other blessings from me. But I didn't want Allah to take that relationship away from me, you know? And I was angry. I was like, why, why do you have to do that? But there was when I realized that when I was reading a book by uh, Ustaza Yasmin, uh, I think a lot of us have read that book before Reclaim Your Heart. It's a very good book. She says in that book that Allah knows your heart. Allah knows my heart. And we, we say this dua as Muslims. We say, Allah is the mover of hearts. He knows all. And He knows that anything that He could have taken away from me, right? I wouldn't have opened my heart to Islam. If I had taken my money, money is replaceable. I could have earned it back. If I had taken something else, it wouldn't have moved me and broken me as a person enough for the light of Islam to enter me and, and truly make me believe that I wanted to become a Muslim, a good Muslim. Allah knows that it's through this thing that is so close to my heart that I would never want to let go of. It shows you how powerless you are as His creation you know, and that's still a mercy because you gain the greatest gift back in return, which is his mercy and his religion. 
you know, you get something that is permanent back in your own heart. And, and that is Allah. You know, you feel a heart back with Allah only when He gives you the blessing, the gift of taking away something that you feel the most. That is not supposed to be in your heart in the first place, right? We have this saying outside and we say, keep, the mon- keep your money in your hands and not in your heart. And it's, everything is the same, right? For, for, for everything else. You know, we, we all worship something in one form or another, being Muslims or non-Muslims. Non-Muslims can worship money. Muslims also can worship money in a sense or so. Can doesn't mean we should. It's a wrong thing. How Muslims worship money when we don't realize it is when we do everything in our lives just to earn so much money and we are not doing it for the sake of Allah. We're doing it because we want the money itself. We let money dictate our lives. So when Allah takes it away from us, we think that it's the ultimate disaster that happens to our life, right? But that's just Him replacing that money or that, maybe for me, that relationship with Him and the understanding of Him. And from then, till now and to the future, that will never ever go away. My, my identity as Muslim will never ever go away because Allah is permanent and He always lives in your heart. And of course, it's a strife after that. You've got to actively refine your heart to make sure that it's still there. And... The last thing that I also read from the same book is that sometimes when we meet into hardship or we meet into like heartbrokenness, right? We tend to go around everything, you know? We tend to like uh, talk to our friends about it. We tend to uh, try this and try that to get the person back. Uh, and we tend to do everything. And funny enough, like the last thing we do is, is to come to Allah, you know? And sometimes... Allah has made it so that for some people, right, there's nothing else they can do. Like, they are, you are powerless, you know, like, there's nothing you can do to move the person's heart. Literally nothing else left to do. But the only thing you could do, right, is to go back to Allah and to pray and to make dua, right? That's what a lot of people say to me when I was going through that phase. And then, um, we think that that's quite cruel of him to do so. Like, I'm so powerless, like, I can't even do anything to make myself feel better. But the wisdom of and the beauty of Islam and the wisdom of Allah is it says that Allah knows like the best and only solution is Him. Like back then I was a pilot trainee. I was earning quite a nice stable income at age of 19. And I could I could do many things that many people couldn't as a pilot trainee. I could fly a plane at, at, at a very fast speed and, and all. I could do so much and I thought I was at the top of the world, man. But all, all that power, all that wealth, all that influence, but I couldn't even move one heart of a person that was with me for three years. Like how, how powerless does that make you feel? And Allah knows that, that every other solution is temporary and wouldn't work. And his solution is the one that is best and is eternal. So sometimes we think that it's, it's not, it's, it's so tough. Islam is making it so tough because I can only make dua, right? But actually... Allah knows that that is the best solution left for you. And that's why he's pushing you towards it. And that's actually a mercy in itself. So these three things are, are the three main things that through my experiences, right, I managed to see them working out in my life. And like I said, like at the start of the story, I don't think like if I was back in Australia again and, and I was alone again, I, I think nine, 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 nine times out of 10, I would have probably not stayed as a Muslim. And I don't know why I'm a Muslim today. Just like many born Muslims don't know why we were born into a Muslim family. But what you can look, what you can see and what you can reflect upon is what has happened to get you here today. It's not by chance. 
we're not in the wrong place at the wrong time. We didn't stumble across this. But Allah has planned for us to walk this path, to meet these good people, to inspire ourselves to become better Muslims through their actions. And I'd like to end my common story with also this ayat of the Quran. It says, uh, with hardship comes ease, right? And we also hear that a lot. Um, I heard that a lot. But we tend to underestimate the promise of Allah, as I did. And I thought that, like, okay, ease is going to come when, uh, after the hardship. But I was, I was listening to Ustaz Namah Khan very early on in, in my conversion journey, and he said something that really hit me. Uh. The language that he was using in the Quran is, we see as with hardship comes ease, because it's an English translation, language that was used in the Quran is that with hardship, ease comes during hardship. That is the way the language is used. And hardship is used in a singular sense while ease is used in a plural sense. So if hardship doesn't come one ease, if hardship comes many ease. And we are so, I was so stuck up with looking for that ease that comes after the hardship that I failed to appreciate all the ease that comes, that came during the hardship. And that was something that I wish I, I, I could do better. And upon realizing it, I realized it made my whole journey so much easier. So I started to count my blessings more and to realize that maybe there are some good things that have came out while I'm going through this challenge of my life. I'm sharing these four points and, and uh, three points. I'm sharing these three points and ending off with this ayat because it's tough to walk your own journey as a Muslim, as a new Muslim, be it a born Muslim or, or, or a convert. When you separate with someone and they have been integral to your journey as a Muslim, it's hard to continue walking. Like times where you don't feel like walking anymore, times where it's hard to separate religion from what your heart feels for the other person. But take it from my experiences and take it from my mistakes. And learn and, and just take one thing away from this sharing is that truly Allah never goes back on his promises. It's just whether or not we can sit down and truly understand the skill in which his plan is working. And we will never ever fully get it. What we can do is that we try our best. And that's one way that we can fulfill our purposes of this life by reflecting upon the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you have rationally submitted to Islam, and not spiritually or emotionally submitted to Islam yet, maybe not, haven't taken a leap of faith, and you're facing this, then truly, the time will come if you strive enough that Allah will truly show you the way. So I pray that my experience here is not a normal sharing, and I wanted to share about this for a while, but I really hope that, I pray that this experience can help one or two brothers and sisters out there. And I'd love to continue more because it's a big topic. Uh, I can't put it in like a 20-minute session. Uh, yeah so if anyone would like to reach out on Instagram to Commerce Central we talk about this I, I would love to uh, we, we, we love to you know uh, be there for, for any brothers and sisters that are facing the same challenges that we face ourselves this is something that we want to do because others have done the same thing for us so Alhamdulillah um, probably not the sharing that my team has expected but I'll pass the time back to Abbas uh, for allowing th thank you for letting me share this Manawa, manawa. Thank you, thank you so much for 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 that amazing sharing. Mm -hmm.
like uh, I've heard your story a few times before. Uh, and every time, you know, every time I hear it, uh, you know, I feel very inspired uh, by your, you know, by your challenges that you face uh, and everything. And I'm very, very certain that all our listeners would definitely want a, a part two, a, a longer version uh, of the story that you shared. Um, and, you know, you were saying about how uh, all these challenges, right, you wouldn't, I, I really believe that, you know, without all these challenges, you wouldn't be the person that, that you are today. Um, you know, and I personally, uh, of all the listeners, you know, I personally know Kevin, uh, and he's really an inspiring person, you know, uh, besides, you know, Convert Central, he's always involved uh, in a lot of other things, you know, he's in, in school, he's in SMU, uh, the Muslim uh, society as well, uh, you know, and he's really an inspiration uh, uh, to me as well. So, I think I think what you said was is is a very is a really really good reminder, you know, that we should count our blessings more, right? Uh, in the Quran, Allah says that you know if you were to count the blessings of Allah, you would not be able to, right? Like, you wouldn't be able to grasp how much Allah has given us, how much Allah has actually blessed us with. Uh, and I think what you said was a was a really really good reminder for that. I think we we do definitely have a lot more questions that we want to ask you um, but I think for now uh, thank you so much for sharing we're going to end it off here uh, so stay tuned guys uh, for the next episode uh, we'll, we're going to ask uh, Brother Siddiq a few questions about uh, you know his journey so far uh, we're going to ask him you know we're going to interrogate him as well uh, on certain things that uh, he said during this episode uh, and hopefully you know we'll be able to, to, to learn more about him so thank you so much and so we will end off this uh, episode with Tasdil Kafawa and Swata. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Wa nasbiina insana fi sinna alladhina amanu wa amsalihat wa tawassaw bil haqq wa tawassaw bis sabr. All right thank you so much everyone and do catch us in the next episode. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.